Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the New England Patriots. This is the Patriots Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Patriots Wire editor, Henry McKenna. Now, I've always said, I'm going to go until the wheels come off. And uh, they finally have fallen off. Due to an injury last year, I'll be making my official announcement of my retirement from football. It was a hard decision, but the right decision for me and my family. And I'm honored and so proud to be retiring a Patriot. I'm going to leave you guys with two words. Foxborough, forever. Well, I think we all saw this coming with Julian Edelman with reports that his knee wasn't going to hold up this season, but that doesn't make hearing his retirement announcement any easier. Welcome into the program. Henry is off this week. I'm joined by Luke Easterling, the editor of USA Today's Draft Wire and also the Bucks Wire. I did need a little bit of a therapy session from you, Luke. I know you're just the guy to help me out with this. Obviously, Julian Edelman, uh, well, on Monday, it seemed like he got released. But then shortly after he announced his retirement, I'm not sure how that thing works. Probably just a contract thing, the way they worked that thing out. The way I read it, actually, is that them releasing him with the injury, the failed physical designation, allows him to uh, collect from like a very specific um, injury fund within the NFL that allows him basically to collect about $2 million this year because it's a failed physical designation and he was still under contract. That's from what I understand. I think I read it was Ian Rappaport or somebody retweeted it, but, but that's why it's important for them to kind of go through that process in the way they did. Makes sense. Okay. I thought they'd do something like that for him. That, that makes more sense than I, I didn't think they were screwing them over, him over, but it just seemed weird how that thing played out. But obviously Edelman retiring. So Patriots fans, we've been suffering a lot lately. Luke, I know the the nation's feeling terrible for us out here in New England. Patriots nation. Yeah, there's there's a Justin Timberlake cry me a river <laughs> gift coming your way, pal. I'm dying over here. So uh love me, Julian Edelman. It's that that's a bummer. Uh but it was funny, there was two immediate reactions on social media when this went down. Um and the first one of them was definitely just wait, Bruce Arians, Tom Brady. <laughs> Rob Gronkowski, they're going to come a calling around week 10 of the season, Luke. And Edelman will be like, you know what, coach? I got a few games left in me. I'm coming to Tampa, right? That was like immediate right on Twitter. Everyone's like, yeah, right, Julian. We'll see you in Tampa Bay by week 10, you know? So first of all, if you listen to Edelman's retirement announcement when he was sitting there on, his, on the chair on the Gillette Stadium turf and he says Foxborough forever, I, that would I, I just don't picture him coming out of retirement and going to Tampa week 10. I just think I kind of don't agree with that. I, I think he's actually done. But what do you think about that chatter about everyone's, you know, just kind of brush it off. No, no, no. We'll see you in Tampa with your friends, uh, Tommy and Gronky, right in Tampa. What do you think about that? 
Oh, I had a blast with it, man. I, I, I quote tweeted the, the news report and just said, come on down. And boy, Bucks fans would not, did not like that. They were not <laughs> happy. I had to very quickly respond and let everybody know that was a joke, that that was not going to happen. So why did they react Obviously, so negatively? I don't know. They just, they don't, I don't think, I think they don't want to turn into like Patriots South. <laughs> like what, they want to build their own is. thing. Like There's they, I think they already there, yeah. feel like Brady got too much credit for the fact that there was a really good team already here. Like, I don't think Brady could have gone to the Chargers and gone to the Super Bowl and won the Super Bowl, I guess is what I'm saying. Like, he was a big part of it, but there was a really good football team here that he came to. And I think they, they want the rest of the team to get credit for that, I guess. Or they just don't think that Edelman is as good as he, you know, as some people think he was. I, I don't know what the reaction was, but it was very strong and they did not really want him very much. So, um, you know, I guess he could come out of, you know, in week 10, but I, I think, I don't know if he has any meniscus left and I don't think they'll grow back by week 10. I think so, it's floating around in his knee as we speak. I, yeah. I don't know if it's a great idea, but I mean, we had fun with it right at, you know, Gronkowski, somebody accosted him outside the airport in LA, leave people alone, by the way, watching that video was just really awkward. It's like, you're following this football player while, especially in the middle of a pandemic, like, trying to get his thoughts on Julian Edelman retiring, like let him walk to the car in peace, man. Come on. But whatever, you know, he Gronk was nice about it. He gave him some great quotes, you know, told him, told everybody he'll be back. There's a 69% chance that he'll come back and play for the bucks. He said with an obvious laugh and a wink, <laughs> of um, very, very nice response there from him. Um, but you know, it, it, you have fun with it at the end of the day. What an incredible iconic, particularly in the playoffs career that he's had. If this is, you know, if this is the end indeed for him, I mean, no regrets, right? I mean, this is a guy, what part of what Gronk said in that video was that he's a guy who, who left it all out there, man. And he's, that's the kind of teammate that, that you have to have a high respect for as a guy who, I mean, and go back to his, his origin story, man. I mean, this is a kid it's came out of, out of California, yeah. is a quarterback in college, I mean, ends up being a late round pick. He's converted to wide receiver and becomes one of the most iconic playoff figures of, of our generation, man. That's just a fantastic story. And again, I know we'll get into it, but like people want to make this about the Hall of Fame and whether or not he deserved. Can we just appreciate players without having to, to immediately have that conversation? Like, I feel like it almost re- detracts from their their legacy sometimes when we have to make it all about, you know, all these players have to make the Hall of Fame. Let's just appreciate the fact that what he did on the field and how he went about his business and what he came from to accomplish in his career is incredible. You don't necessarily need a bust or a gold jacket to justify that or, or define that for you, but man, what, what a career and, and good for him. Yeah, I love the way you just put that. I mean, do you remember the hit he took from Cam Chancellor in that Super Bowl against Seattle? Incredible. It was third and 14, and he just got he got knocked into Planet Zippy. Held on to the ball. He did like this little spin and like ran forward. His knee clearly hit the ground, but he like ran forward 10 yards. He, I mean, if that happened now, he would have been taken out of the game in concussion protocol, right? But somehow they had worked their way around that thing. Like, they kept him on the field. He was clearly in, on Planet Zippy. And for him to hold on to that ball on third and 14 and take a hit from that player against that defense when they're down 10 in the fourth quarter and they come back and win, I mean, you're right. There's so many iconic moments with him in the postseason for, from that ridiculous catch against the Falcons, obviously, in, in the the Super Bowl comeback, and then the touchdown pass to Amendola against the uh, Ravens in 2015. There's just so many moments with Julian Edelman, and you know what? He's going to get the red jacket, the Patriots Hall of Fame jacket, uh, and whatever. You know, I, as far as the Hall of Fame chatter goes, I mean, whatever, man. I, I I kind of agree with people. Like, unless we're grading on a curve for these amazing postseason moments that he had, and he was nails in the postseason, and and he was a Super Bowl MVP. If we can wait it there. 
then maybe he's got a case. But I know we don't wait it there, right? There's there's a lot of other things that go into the Hall of Fame when it comes to wide receivers, and he probably won't get the call a la uh, Heinz Ward of the Steelers, guys like that of that, you know, cut from that cloth. And you know what? Who cares? You know, I, I'm, I'm kind of over it. He, he'll be in the Patriots Hall of Fame. That's good enough for me. Yeah, I think that what's difficult is when you – like you said, if you're not, if you can't wait it towards the postseason stuff, which I don't think you should necessarily, I think it is, you know, a whole body of work kind of thing. When you start putting his stat line, and I, I get stats aren't everything, but they they do have a lot to do with comparisons. And when you're talking about the Hall of Fame, when you put his numbers up against a lot of other guys that aren't in the Hall of Fame, and you think about the fact that it would make more sense to put about ten or fifteen other guys in beforehand, and if you can't tell yourself all ten or fifteen of those guys should definitely be in. I feel like you can't say the same thing about him, right? It just doesn't make any sense. And again, this is everybody's going to be biased. You know, if you if you lived and died every Sunday with Patriots football and watched him and listened to press conferences and and really are embedded with that team, you feel a partly you know, you feel ownership about that. I feel like that about Rondé Barber, right? Yeah, I'm going to go yep. to town every single year when they come out with the you know the the Hall of Fame finalists and whoever gets in, and I'm going to keep bitching and moaning every single year for Rondé Barber. And I completely acknowledge that for many many reasons I am extremely biased about that. Okay, Rondé is my favorite player of all time. You know we you know he helped me get ahead in the journalism business when I was in high school. Like I literally have a personal bias. And I'm sure a lot of people in the Patriots Nation, they will feel that way about Julian Edelman. So that's why I don't really wade into that conversation because I know when the, sh- when the light is turned back on me, I do the same exact thing. I think Rondé Barber is a lot more deserving, but that's a whole different conversation. You know, so it's – I get it. I just uh, – you know, people want to they, – they're passionate about it. They want to yell about it. Go for it. Go for it. You know, you think you have a case, make the case. And uh, and that's what's fun about, about those conversations is we all are passionate about it because we – we care about these teams so much. Well, Luke, while I have you, I've been playing with my phone a little bit on the sports betting app, taking a little bit of a mock draft breather, and I thought that could be a fun thing to do in the next segment. I got Let's a, do it. Oh, draft I, props are the best, oh. man. They're so much fun. They're so so strange and specific. I love it. I got a freaking draft expert on the other end of this line, so I'm going to be taking notes. Hopefully everyone's taking them with me. We'll do that coming up next. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of... Uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, if you're into the sports betting, the NFL Draft is the place to be. There's all kinds of prop bets to kind of sink your teeth into, all kinds of different ways you can go. Uh, for me, I think a good place to start, Luke, is uh, they have props on every single pick inside the top 10. Now, I don't think there's a ton of value in picks one and two. I think Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson appear to be the runaway favorites there. But it starts to get a little crazy right at pick number three with the 49ers. And Mac Jones. Now, Mac Jones is the favorite and kind of a high favorite here when you look at some of the other ones. He's minus 250 on my app. And that's where it gets really interesting, right? If it's a smoke screen by the 49ers, there might be some value in a Justin Fields at plus 250. There might be a nice underdog in Trey Lance at plus 350. So 
there might be some really good sneaky value at number three if you don't believe in the Mac Jones hype. What do you think about that? He, he is a decent favorite, but I think that's, that's where you could win is, is the fact that there's been so much buzz in that direction that it gets to the point where you're like, okay, this is fishy. <laughs> I don't know about this. And then you look at the fact that this week, Justin Fields and Trey Lance both are having additional pro days. They've each already had one. They're going to have another one. And not just that, we heard it from Ian Rappaport at NFL Network this week that both Trey Lance and Justin Fields actually worked with Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers to incorporate concepts, throws, routes, and drills that are specific to his scheme, specific to things he likes to see in order to give them that audition, basically, at their second pro day. So this, those two pro days are absolutely auditioning to be the number three pick in this draft over Mac Jones. And I think the fact that Shanahan and John Lynch are going to be attending both of those. It, it, it actually points toward the fact that this is not a done deal, not a, a done decision. And if you just look at these prospects in a vacuum, and, and in my opinion, Justin Fields should easily be the number two pick in this draft. He's, I don't think he's going to be, but he should be. And Trey Lance, he and Bo, Trey Lance both are, are head and shoulders above Mac Jones, in my opinion, as a prospect. If you're, if you're thinking like I am that the, the 49ers will – will see the the light and come to their senses by the time draft day rolls around and actually pick a quarterback that deserves to be picked at number three after trading two future first-round picks to get there instead of Mac Jones, you could make some money there. Falcons at number four, right? Another wild card. They're shopping the pick. They could finish the run on QBs, Luke. They could go with Kyle Pitts, who I think we all are starting to – we're starting to feel it, right? He's probably the first non-quarterback taken, and the Falcons could definitely take him. He's the favorite to go there. Or you could pick like you could go a little bit outside the box with like a Penny Sewell who's at plus sixteen hundred to go number four, or Jamar Chase plus twelve hundred. I feel like there's some sneaky value there at number four because we don't really know what the Falcons are going to do. But Kyle Pitts is a big favorite right there at plus one fifty. What do you think about the Falcons? What are you hearing there? Yeah, I think honestly, Pitts is the only guy I feel comfortable with in terms of a non quarterback going at that pick. Um, even with a trade up, I don't see any of those other guys really making sense there. I, I don't see anybody valuing Jamar Chase enough, in my opinion, to jump ahead of a team like Cincinnati, who would obviously love to have him and reunite him with Joe Burrow. I just don't see the value there in terms of how deep this wide receiver class is. If you trade up and pay what it would cost to go up to get Chase, you could just wait and get a, a player with you know that's not not the same guy, but comparable enough to not have to give up all that you know collateral. I, I guess what. What I would say at number four is I expect it to be a quarterback or Ty, or Kyle Pitts, and I don't. I would honestly, it's fifty fifty whether the Falcons are going to be in that spot at all. Because if the if the Falcons stay there and they realize, hey, we're paying Matt Ryan, uh, he's got a forty million dollar cap hit for twenty twenty two. So <laughs> if we're going to try to do something with this over the next two years, give him Kyle Pitts and give him some help and give him a playmaker, and we'll have some fun with it. But you also have Hayden Hurst already. You've got Julio. You've got Calvin Ridley. You've got weapons already. You really need a running back to balance out the offense, honestly. And if they stay there and they say, listen, Trey Lance is on the – he's a year away from starting anyway, so if we can sit him for a year, maybe two, we're, not, we're hoping not to pick this high again for a while, so let's just go ahead and take the quarterback. Then Trey Lance goes for and, and sits in Atlanta for a couple of years. Or you realize if you're Atlanta – Kyle Pitts is nice and he's a luxury and we'd love to have that kind of guy, but we really need a lot of other stuff. We need pass rushers. We need uh, help on defense. We just lost, you know, both of our safeties. We've got so, you know, like I said, we need running back help. So if, if one of those teams, Denver at nine 
even as far back as New England at 15, if Justin Fields, Trey Lance, either of those guys are there at four, I'm taking the best deal. I'm making them compete with one another. I'm dropping back to nine or 15 and stockpiling picks to fill those other positions and get better value and build around Matt Ryan for the next couple of years and, and try to make sure I'm nowhere near number four for a long time. So another thing you can do with these bets is you can bet on which team will select the player. So as you were just saying, Luke, like number four overall, if you're betting Kyle Pitts goes number four, you're not betting that the Falcons takes him. You're just you're just betting that he goes number four. But you can also bet the team to draft the player. And I look at like a Micah Parsons to the Patriots at plus 700 at number 15. I just feel like if he slides a little bit, if Parsons does slide into that area, I just feel like that's a Belichick kind of pick, right? He'd sit there and wait it out, take a guy that was projected to go in the top 10, put a linebacker in the middle of his defense, put him behind Dante Hightower and kind of groom him. Like, I don't know. It just seems like a Belichickian kind of pick. And then another one with the Patriots is you can, you know, you can bet on the team to draft Justin Fields and the Patriots are at plus 1800. I know you had a fun mock draft that had the Patriots going up to get Fields either at number four with the Falcons. We could even see them doing it at number eight or number nine, maybe in this draft, if, if Fields were to somehow slip through, which I agree with you. I don't think he should, but maybe, you know, maybe. But Pat's plus 1,800 to go and get Fields. I think he sprinkle a little bit on that thing. And if it happens, A, for Patriots fans, that would be awesome, right? We'd all be doing cartwheels in our living rooms out here in, uh, in New England. And also, you'd make a little bit of money because those are pretty good odds. Yeah, they really are. And, and if you look at that mock draft, like you said, that I, that I just had recently where they move up to four to get fields, the one I'm about to publish a draft wire on Thursday morning has Micah Parsons slipping to 15, and I absolutely have him going to New England. I, I think it's just like you said. I, I think it's that, that situation where there are some off-field concerns with, with him that are going to need to be you know, weighed for, for each team. They're going to have to feel comfortable uh, that that's not going to be an issue moving forward. But as a player, we've talked about him before. I mean, you know, we saw what Devin White did for the Bucks defense this past year. Michael Parsons is that kind of player. He's that kind of athlete. He's actually bigger. I think he's 6'2", 6'3", Devin White's 6 foot. But that similar big physical three-down guy, incredible athlete, great tackler, can cover, can hit, really smart player. He's got it all, man. So it, it, you could definitely see that much of a slide. I think he's a top 10 prospect in this draft. But if he gets past, you know, Denver at nine, if they get a chance to get a quarterback or maybe they go offensive tackle, if he gets past Philly at 12, Philly really needs a wide receiver. So I, I don't know if they'd take a guy like Parsons at linebacker over a Jalen Waddle or a Devontae Smith. They very easily could see Parsons still on the board at 15 for New England. If that happens, I think it's a very easy pick for them. All right, folks, plus 700, seven to one. Patriots to draft Micah Parsons. I, I like it. That, that that thing has a little bit of juice. And usually, Luke, I cheat and I prep on your stuff on, on the Bucks wire or the draft wire before I come on here, but you haven't posted that one yet. So I have not cheated. That was actually my own take that lined up with you, the expert. So uh, you're well rubbing, done. you've been rubbing off on me, my man. Uh, I love it. <laughs> so, okay, one more. And you know what? You can just override this if you have uh, an, another one out there that you like. I'm not sure how much you've scoured over these prop bets yet, but... Um, the Bengals at number five, I think, is super interesting because Sewell is the favorite. Uh, but we also have the uh, the Jamar Chase connection with Burrow, right? And Chase is plus 175 to go number five. And if the Bengals stay put uh, and Sewell and Chase are both on the board, that would be an interesting little thing for him, right? I mean, 
You can get the stud receiver that you know has a connection with Burrow, or you could get the guy that's going to help Burrow not shred his knee again uh, and, and kind of shore up that offensive line a little bit. So I think that that pick at number five is also super interesting. But go ahead and override that if you got something better. Four, five, and six are going to be really fun, right? If Atlanta stays at four and they take Kyle Pitts, that makes it a little less interesting. But if they don't and a quarterback goes in that spot, whether it's to them or somebody else, you got to think, Cincinnati's at five and could take Chase, Pitts, or Sewell. Miami's at six, and they'll take whoever's they'll take whoever between the two that are still there, whoever doesn't go. And then you got the Lions at seven, who are probably hoping it's Chase or Pitts. But if it's Sewell, I think they'd take him too. So yeah. in my opinion, I think it, it comes down to what the Bengals are going to prefer in terms of the fact that they, they love Jonah Williams at left tackle. They just brought in Riley Reese, the veteran, to play right tackle. And honestly, if you draft Sewell at five, he could play guard as a rookie. I, I think there have been some people that are like, oh, he's not too tall. He's not His arms aren't long enough. I don't give a crap about any of that. The dude can play, and if he can't play tackle for you, you need a new career. But if you feel like, hey, Riley Reese our right tackle right now, at least for this year, we can start. The biggest need on that offensive line is right guard. So you could put Sewell at right guard as a rookie, slide him back out to tackle and do whatever you want to do after that. But he's obviously worthy of that pick. It'll tell us how much pull Joe Burrow has, though, I think. Yes. If he's able to yes. convince them, I want my guy. I need Jamar Chase so we can keep doing what we were doing, that, that incredible – I mean, he had the best career – the best season a quarterback has ever had in college football history when he was throwing to that guy when he was wearing number one at LSU. So – I think that's that's where I'd go with that pick. I think even if it's between Sewell and Chase, I think because you want to do whatever you can to make Joe Burrow happy, and the fact that this tackle class, again, is very, very deep. I could see very, very good options at tackle and guard there at 38 when they pick again in the early part of the second round. I say you give the quarterback whatever he wants at five, and we'll live to play another day. We'll talk about it at 38 and take the best offensive lineman available. I think there's some money to be made there with Chase at five. Okay, so if I'm taking my notes correctly, we like Micah Parsons to the Patriots at plus 700. Uh, Do I need to have a disclaimer on this in case, you know, I end up completely <laughs> no, wrong about no. all this? People, this is not... People can yell at me. No, we're, we're talking about uh, one unit, a $5 bet, guys. We're, we're not talking about going crazy here. Uh, Jamar Chase to the Bengals at number five at plus 175. That's a nice little bet. Uh, maybe look at Kyle Pitts going number four. First non-quarterback off the board. He's at plus 150 to go number four. And maybe... Maybe just maybe Justin Fields plus 250 um, to go to number three because he is by far, you know, as Luke said, the second best quarterback on the board. So it doesn't hurt to take a flyer there. How are my notes? Are my notes okay? I love it. <laughs> Beautiful. Let Luke, me know how we do in a couple weeks. <laughs> I will. I'll try to remind you. There's Luke Easterling. Check out his stuff on the draft wire and Bucks wire, please, will you? Uh, Luke, I hope you're, you're ready. I woke up on Monday and I thought the draft was next week, but we actually still have two weeks to go. I was really disappointed. I'm like, shoot. We still have two weeks to go. It it's going like, to be a slog, man. It's, it's going to be slow, build, it's be slow going here oh, for a while. Remember the, remember the year they didn't have it until like May 8th <laughs> and everybody was like, if you ever do that again, we're, we're just going to burn it all down. It's killing me, but we'll, uh, we'll be back with more next week. We'll talk to you then. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.
just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.